Coach Rob, we're back again. How are you, man? Hey, good evening. How you doing, my man? Very, very good. Thank you. Sounds like you've been pretty busy and looks like you've been pretty busy over there. You keep popping up that you're doing camps here, there and everywhere by the look of it. Yeah, we, uh, we've been very fortunate. We just got back from California. I'm actually up in Georgia right now. Uh, depending on when the listener gets to hear this, we're, we're on the eve of uh, the Disney amateur race here in uh, Daytona, Florida. So we're doing a couple couple days here in Georgia, and then we'll head back to Orlando, and then we'll beat the amateur race for the weekend. Then we leave there, and we go to a, a race called Springading, which is another large amateur race. Then we leave there and go to Freestone, and then we get into some of the Loretta Lens qualifiers. So it is uh, tis the season, as we always say. But uh, hey, props to you. It looks like uh, your camps have all been sold out and quite successful. And uh, whoever the photographer is, and I apologize because I know they're a good friend of yours, Boy, what great pictures they capture. It looks so good. Props to the photographer and everybody. It looks really good. Congrats. Yeah, shout out to Nossi. He's the he's the cameraman. He is a bit of a wizard, that's for sure. Uh, high five knuckle punch on that one. That Those look really, really good. And the, th- the reason why I appreciate photographers like that is because they can make me, who's slow, look really <laughs> And that's really, as the old saying goes, it's not how fast you go, it's how good you look. And he makes everybody look good. So you, you're fast. Me, I'm not fast. So I really like photographers like that. So (laughs) yeah, props to that. That great stuff. Love it. And congrats to everybody who's finished the camp. And, you know, the feedback that I've gotten is they, they learned just bundles from you, which I'm not surprised both on and off the bike. So I'm glad your camps are selling out and everyone's going away happy campers. Good stuff. Yeah, they are. We've we've had some good good response from the first couple. We've got another one coming up in two weeks now, which is the one down at Cruzigs. Um nice. and then hopefully we're gonna have some other dates come out after that for a few more on the trot, which will be cool. Good. Well hopefully these uh these travel restrictions will be lifted and we can get over and I wanna I wanna get on the bike and get in one of your classes. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, well I've got a bike for you. You can ride the YZ. Nice. There you go. I was going to say, as I say, if not, maybe I could borrow your son's bike now. Of course, I may have to arm wrestle him for that and I'd probably lose right now, but I think Darcy would be willing to, to let me to, to spin around on it. I think he would for sure. He's that your boys are awesome. <laughs> he, he thinks you're pretty cool. So I think he'd be wrapped if he saw you riding that. That would be fun. Of course, <laughs> like I said, these, these kids bikes are so big nowadays. I, I don't know. I might get surprised by how much power these bad boys have. <laughs> you might i think he could handle a tdr he's on to me already about getting a yz and i told him he has to be able to ride the wheels off the tdr first before he can get a yz so i don't think that's far that's not far removed right now he, he is a machine on that bike yeah yeah he's getting his head around it which is cool good i love it well man it's good to see you and talk to you again what, what do you have up your sleeve for to for today's show so today I thought we could have a bit of a chat about low-carb diets. Um, I guess a little bit of a trend I've seen with a few new clients who have come on board with me over the, the last few months and they'll say, oh, I'm trying to lose a few kilos, so I've, I'm doing keto or I'm doing low-carb. Um, yeah. So I thought we could chat about that because I guess most people, um, I guess, get their get a lot of their nutrition advice from Google. So if you if you typed in uh, weight loss or 
something like that into Google right now, like probably keto or a low carb diet is going to probably be near the top of the list. So I guess a lot of that stuff that we actually see on the internet is probably more aimed at people who are maybe obese or type 2 diabetic or there is cases where a keto diet or a low carb diet may be beneficial for someone. But if you're an athlete and you're training five, six, seven, eight times a week, and then trying to swing off a motorbike, um, potentially it may not be the best approach for you. So (laughs) what I guess, firstly, who, who do you think a lower carb diet would be more suited to if someone was going to go down that path? If, if my next statement doesn't validate that you and I don't script these, nothing else will, okay? Because to me, what's the definition of a low carb? Because if, if the listeners will stop and think, a low, a low carb diet, if you're going to talk about cereals and grains and white starches and white potatoes, there's not a listener out there that won't benefit getting rid of that. Does that make it a low carb diet? Or is that just cleaning up the quality of the carbs? For you and I and all of your clients and all of my clients and and now the listeners, think about what a carbohydrate is. Let's keep it very simple. It's a fruit and a vegetable. So we should not be on a low carb diet if that means eating little amounts of fruits and vegetables. Why is that? Fruits and vegetables are just loaded in vitamins and minerals. Vitamins and minerals are catalysts for energy. And not to get too technical for our listeners, But if you think about trying to start a fire with a bunch of big logs, you can't just do that with a lighter. You got to get the kindling going. So all the listeners have heard the macronutrients, a carb, a protein, and a fat. They go, okay, fat helps support the organs and protein rebuilds muscles. And then there's that bad word carb, carb, carb. Well, a carb is nothing more than a fruit or a vegetable or a high quality grain. So for the listeners, think about it. If it's white in color, the easiest example would be rice, of course. If you're eating white rice, what is it that they've removed? They've removed the brown husk, which is the nutrient-dense component of the pasta, the grain. Well, once it becomes white like that, it has no nutritional value. Well, yeah, that's what needs to be removed. And I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I would assume neither you nor I are going to encourage people to eat white potatoes, white rice, white spaghetti. And and I don't know how it is from a legality standpoint in Australia, but here in the States, if they take the nutrient value out of the item, i.e. brown rice, you'll notice that the box says enriched flour because by legalities, they have to add nutrient value in because they just stripped it out. Well, think about how counterintuitive that is. Why would I have to buy something that's enriched? That should be your first sign that they've taken the nutritional value out. And so they don't sell you something that has zero value. They put an artificial vitamin or a mineral in it to say it's now enriched. Well, think about how that silly that is. So not to be confrontational at the beginning of your question, I don't think anyone should be on a low carb, low, you know, because to me, when you say low carb, that means don't eat fruits, don't eat vegetables, which... I know that's what keto wants to advocate because they say, well, there's sugar in fruit. Yeah, but there's more nutrient value to the fruit than there is sugar. And there's ways, excuse me, there's ways that you can combine foods that brings down the sugar content for those that are educated in the glycemic index. You can combine foods and make it a low glycemic fruit. If I take and put almond butter with a banana, 
I'm going to bring down the sugar content of a banana. And you can go through any combination that you want. That's not what we're talking about tonight. But the idea here is a low carb diet is completely counterintuitive because all of your energy, and again, you and I know we're going to get some hate DMs on this one, but your energy comes from stored sugar, the stored sugar. And and if if any of the listeners have a piece of paper, write this down from left to right. You eat a fruit or a vegetable. It's a complex carb. You're going to hear that buzzword tossed around. When you eat that fruit or vegetable, it converts it to stored sugar, also known as glycogen. So when we're looking at eating fruits and vegetables, it's about getting your gas tank of glycogen in the muscle, the glycogen in your liver. And again, for those that are taking notes, your liver feeds your brain, your muscles feed the movement. So eating fruits and vegetables are imperative so that you can perform well on the motorcycle. You can cross train very well. If you want to get fitter, you got to fuel it. And you and I have talked about this off the record and we joked about it over dinner with our families. We wouldn't go, your your son's TTR 90 is more powerful than your brand new motorcycle if you don't have fuel in your race bike, but your son has fuel in his TTR. Yeah, correct. But yet you've got somebody that's sitting on a pedestal saying, don't eat carbohydrates. Why? That's fuel. Well, your body goes into a state of ketosis. Yeah, that's not optimum performance fuel. It's survival fuel, but it's not optimum performance fuel. And again, I would be willing to sit and talk with anybody intelligently. Your brain 100% prefers sugar for a fuel source than it does fat. That's not my opinion. That's been validated in research over and over and over again. Will your brain survive on fat for fuel? Absolutely. Is it an optimal fuel? Absolutely not. And I don't care what anybody wants to tell you. So yeah, the low carb diet has to be rephrased. Are you going to tell me that you're recommending eating less fruits and vegetables? If you are, that's a big mistake. If you're telling me get rid of white starches and processed sugars or processed starches and simple sugars, I would agree with you hundred percent go to that low carb diet. So if that doesn't show that we don't, you know, script these shows, I don't know what else does, but uh, hopefully the listener has a better idea of what we're mean by the good versus the bad low carb diet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're exactly right. Yeah. That's, and yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I do tell my clients is if we, if the majority of our carbs is coming from those good whole food sources, then some of the simpler ones, perhaps post-training is a good time to have them. But as a rule, like your, your foundational foods are going to come from from whole foods without a doubt. And then I guess that's what, like I said, I see people go and do a, a low-carb or, or keto diet to, in, in the hope that they're going to lose weight and they just remove all carbohydrate completely. Then they don't actually add in any other calories, so they're putting themselves into this humongous calorie deficit, which which quite often actually they don't even end up. They get this little initial bit of weight loss, which is the water weight, which we've probably spoken about before, and then yeah. it just stalls and they don't actually lose any weight because of they're so they're just piling stress on top of stress. Um, so we can probably get into that, like what what is a good, I guess, environment for the body to burn fat. Um, and, and, and actually, that's, that's actually sustainable, I suppose. 
Well, you hit something that I think people may have missed, and that is fat burns more efficiently in the presence of sugar. That's again, scientifically been proven over and over again. So if you wanna become more efficient at burning fat, make sure that you've got good nutrient dense carbohydrates, fruits and vegetables, that becomes a staple of your diet. Then when you go out and you do your L, you know, the LSD type of training, long, slow distance training, and you're doing those types of things, you got to remember the body needs fuel to do the task that you want. If somebody may be new to the, our program together, they need to understand that the more lean muscle mass you have, the more efficient you are. We call them fat burning furnaces because inside the mitochondria of the muscle spindle cells is where you're going to burn, whether it's fat, protein, or sugar. So the more muscle mass you have, the more efficient you are at burning body fat. Well, if you're going to go to the gym and try to truly load the tissue to stimulate new muscle growth, you've got to have fuel in the tank. It's, I, I hate to keep going back, but I think it's a great example or a simple example, not a great one. When we think about the motorcycle, we don't tell it, suck it up, buttercup, push through it. You either put fuel in and it runs or you don't put fuel in and it doesn't run. Well, because the human body is designed where it can go without food and survive. That's why I always tease. There's a difference between survival and thriving. You and I advocate, let's put our bodies in a, a mode of thriving. Let's give it the nutrients it needs. Let's give it the proper calories. Let's give it the proper source of calories. Let's make sure it's rested. Let's make sure it's hydrated. Now we go into a workout. Now we're not advocating that you smash yourself. But I guarantee you, if somebody were to join your program and come work out with you one-on-one -on -one, and you teach them with good form, relatively light to moderate weight, you're going to get more muscular strength out of doing it that way because you're well-fed, you're well-hydrated, you're rested, you're helping them stay focused on good form, which means they get more out of the effort they put in. What person on the face of the earth doesn't want that? That's called efficient and effective training. It's not a soapbox, but again, if you put it in terms of a motorcycle, why would you go ahead and let your motorcycle run out of gas with two laps to go? What are you going to do? Blame the motorcycle that it doesn't run well when you simply let it run out of gas? Yeah. When you put it in mechanical terms and it's so black and white, it's so zeros and ones, people go, oh, that of course, you'd be an idiot if you let your... Well, then why are you screwing with the the, the truth associated with nutrition for you know, for performance and even health and wellness. Because mm. I don't want somebody that's like, I'm not an athlete. You guys always talk about athletes. We need our listeners to understand. We always talk about health, wellness, and then performance. Yeah, We're assuming you get the health and wellness thing before we get into performance, but yet people will turn it upside down. And like you said, I love the term that you used is excessive stress. The best thing you can do is, and, and we've talked about this previously, but for a new listener, draw a big box, break it into four quadrants. Because everything that we do is going to fall into personal, professional, or school, depending on if you're in school, financial, and then into the athletic realm. And you can't handle more than 100% of stress. Well, what's the only thing that can help you absorb and offset stress? Food and sleep. Almost picture it like a teeter-totter. If this, if this box over here is stress... This box over here has to be food and sleep. Well, you've got athletes that have very big aspirations. 
if they can't get, and I'm just going to use a loose number here, if they can't get enough food and sleep to be able to absorb, there's the key word, absorb five hours of training, until you get enough food and sleep to absorb five, you're never going to let them go to five and a half or six hours. Yeah. But we have listeners that are working out with trainers that are telling them to suck it up, buttercup, push through, push through, no pain, no gain. That's silly. The pain and the gain comes from pushing the tissue to new limits, which should be encouraging, not threatening or excruciatingly uncomfortable. Mm. And the gain should come from sleep and food. And you wake up and you're leaner, you look better, you've got better strength, you've got better endurance, and you have better speed. That's where the no pain, no gain needs to go into just enough uncomfortable into incredible improvements. So when somebody wants to get all locked up on the no pain, no gain, to me, that's a very immature way of looking at health and wellness. So, I mean, we could even go so old because I am 52. I'm going to pull the age card here. That is so old school. It's not even funny, you know? So when you want, I always find it interesting that somebody says, well, if you're not into keto, you're not keeping up with what's, what, what's hip. Well, if you're into keto, you obviously haven't paid attention to the last 40 years of fads either. Because if we start with keto and we go backwards, you've got insanity and P90, you go back to super slow, you go back to, to super setting, you go back. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? That's on the exercise side of things. Then when you look at nutrition, now we're into keto. Before that, it was South Beach, Atkins, and Zone, all these blocks. We're going to put everything in blocks. Everything's a block. Mm -hmm. And then you take that all the way back to Suzanne Summers, and you take it all the way back to, you know, um, Gene, what, it's the guy that used to wear the small short shorts and bounce up and down. Um, I don't know. I'm only 40. I, I was maybe. Uh, what's his name? Um, not old enough. I apologize. Um, he had his own exercise show. Richard Simmons. Okay. So, you know, he made, he made aerobics and step aerobics and he made all this stuff real popular. Well, what I find dinner, and then you think about step aerobics and you think about all the stuff that's happened. Now look at how it's all morphed into the present. Yeah. Now you've got people saying you should be on a, you should be in a constant state of ketosis. And the only thing that works is hit training, high intensity interval training. But yet if I could take our show and put it in one of my wellness clinics, and listen to the people who come in, clumps of hair falling out, sexual dysfunction left and right. You're looking at all of these things that are going the wrong direction because of HIT training and keto. Yeah. And you expect me to just say, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's good. Keep doing what you're doing. And that's what I want the listeners to understand. High intensity interval training. And like you were saying, bringing it back to the original question about, you know, what why would somebody even begin to advocate a keto type of a diet or a carb, low carb diet or something like that? When you understand that the body prefers balance, because I don't want a new listener to think that we're saying eat only carbohydrates. Correct. We're not saying just be exclusive with anything. It's always, it's just the big combination of it. It here's the thing. It's so simple that when you get people to understand it, they're immediately going to find a way to try to complicate it. And, yeah. and I think that's, that's, that to me is what's a shame because the listeners have been programmed that it can't be simple. 
If it's simple, it's because you're buying a bar, a box, a bag of something, and that's where it becomes simple. Well, that's synthetic food. That's not real food. So you're telling somebody to walk to the grocery store and shop the perimeter in a grocery store that's reasonably priced with real homegrown food. And yet that's complicated. Yeah. And I want the listeners to just say, you know, plug your ears. And I've had enough of the propaganda and the bullshit. Let's stay focused on the fundamentals of nutrition. Let's focus on functional movement, not being tortured and doing these key up, hiccup, party up, whatever things that the shoulder joints were never designed to do. I love watching you on Instagram and I hope everybody that's listening follows you. Like when you were doing that shoulder, shoulder mobility, you know, and, and getting the traps and the rhomboids moving, you make it look simple. I'd like to find five of your subscribers that could even do that. That movement is unbelievable, but I want the listeners to understand you're not just advocating it. You're freaking doing it. You know how hard it is to take that, take that stick and do a full 180 behind the shoulder. I empower any of the listeners to try that. That's impressive. <laughs> Very impressive. Thank you. Well, I can show you plenty of my clients that can do that. That's that's one of our staple little shoulder mobility exercises. So they're, they're yeah. definitely they're definitely working their way through it. But uh, like that, what you just mentioned then, that was a big thing that I wanted to to sort of bring up, and I'm glad you did. Is that sort of survive or thrive? Um, and I guess I I sort of call it restriction or nourish like mm-hmm. sadly we've come to this point that when anyone thinks that they've got to either lose weight or or get healthy um that they need to remove something like that it's got to be vegan or it's got to be keto or it's got to be fasting or it's fasted training or whatever it is like that we need to take something out to to improve ourselves if we can sort of flip that around a little bit and think about nourishing the body with food like you just said the food the, the quality of the food obviously not necessarily removing a whole macronutrient um yeah. the sleep all of those things if we can come from that perspective of nourishment then we can thrive like we don't have to restrict 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 to try and um move towards being healthy yeah well you notice everything is kind of punishment driven remove mm. like you said remove you know, we grew up, if you did something wrong, you had to run around the track. If you're on a baseball field and you do something wrong, you have to run around the field. And, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, trust me, I don't think everybody should get a trophy. Everybody's a winner. I don't, I don't adhere to yeah. that mindset. What I do, what I don't understand is why we have to always, and I see this quite often and, and I don't mind sharing the story. We had an obese client that came to us and he was actually an all American swimmer all American swimmer all the way up through college. But every time he was in the gym, it was smoked. Every time he was in the pool, he got smoked to where he built a mental resentment up. And it was a very good, it was a very cool conversation with him because he said, I feel like a pansy. I know what I need to do. He goes, but the idea of going to the gym literally makes me physically sick to my stomach. And so what I did with him is I said, I'll tell you what, for a month, All I want you to do is drive to the gym, go in and sit in the lobby. Just get in the habit of going to the gym and sitting there. And we did that for a month, 30 minutes. No phone, no book, not watch the TV. Just sit in there and reacclimate yourself to it. And then we moved from there. He goes to the gym and he gets on a treadmill and he walks for 10 minutes and then he leaves. 
And we did that for two months. And then we just built it up to where he could go in and pick up a five pound dumbbell. And this guy's an all American swimmer. Okay. We go in the gym, we do very fundamental, a shoulder press, a bicep and a tricep kickback, a couple air squats, and he walks out of the gym and literally had to reprogram his brain that when he goes into the gym, it's not going to be a crucifixion. It was a workout. And he said to me, after we did this for about a year, he said to me, he goes, it's the first time I've ever enjoyed exercise. And I thought, wow, how for not me, but for him, once that rewiring took place where the gym doesn't have to be a place that you go to make yourself miserable, you go to push yourself a little, you break a good sweat, but you and I, we can go out for a mountain bike ride and we're conversing with one another, but we're moving. Yeah. We're not trying to pin the ears back on the dog and go. Okay. Now there, when you get to a point where you are fresh, you're rested, you're hydrated, you're focused. Yeah. Let's challenge ourselves. Let's I'm not really big in KOMs and stuff, but I do like the idea, Hey, how quickly can we get up there and have fun doing it instead of get up there and want to vomit? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I know there's some of the younger that some of the younger listeners that are into that. I want to go until I vomit mode. I was there. You were there. We get it. But you realize it's not a healthy environment to be in all the time. Yeah. And I think I think there's been such a misalignment with health and wellness. The gym can be a place that's actually pleasurable. Go to go to the gym and swim and actually enjoy it. Take it down a notch until you enjoy it and then hang out there for 15 minutes. I think it would be a major epiphany for a lot of the listeners because they don't realize exercise can be enjoyable. Yeah. It's not all about, like you say, the no pain, no gain. It's how about, pardon me, how about going to the gym and enjoying it and enjoying the gains of being there? Because the body truly is designed to adapt and you have to submit it to things it doesn't always like or familiar with, but you don't have to make it miserable. Just make it unfamiliar. Yeah. Stand, stand on one leg and do a shoulder press. That's unfamiliar. You don't have to lift 40 kilos to do that and make it hard. You can do it with 10 kilos. Yeah. Still make it hard. And I yeah. hope that that will create kind of a mental shift with people. And then the other side of it is you've got to remember that nutrition when done correctly is so simple. And when simple nutrition precedes sleep, and I, I really want the listeners to realize that you have to, if you want quality of sleep, we have to precede it with quality of food. Think about it this way. You wouldn't go from 12 noon until midnight and not eat and be surprised that you were hungry 12 hours later, but we'll go from 7 PM to 7 AM, get up, go to the gym and not think that we need to eat. Yeah. You, and I get it, the intermittent fasting and all the other bullshit that they promote, but the idea is when if you want to get the best out of that workout, feed yourself before you go. Now, again, before you send me a nasty DM, think about a child. You take a child six years old, take a child that's eight years old. And if you don't feed him or her for 10, 12 hours, what kind of person are they? Yeah. They are Satan in clothing. <laughs> okay. But what do we do? We don't blame them. We're like, oh gosh, it's been a while since Darcy's eaten. We need to feed him. Yeah. So we feed him. His blood sugar stabilizes and then he's cordial. Yeah. But we become adults or we put on this 
title of an athlete. And then all of a sudden we think the rules change, especially when it gets bombarded with some agenda of a book or a bag or a box of something. You know, what the hell is that all about? That, that to me is highway robbery. Mm. When did the rules change for a six-year-old to a 16-year-old to a 26-year-old to a 36-year-old? It doesn't make any sense. Can you imagine when Darcy and, and, and your two little guys, when they were little and you've gone 12 hours and you haven't fed them and you tucked them into bed, sleep good, sleep good. <laughs> Anybody that's had a child knows that's like the stupidest thing you've ever said, right? Yeah. I haven't fed you for eight or nine hours, but I'm going to tuck you into bed. Just sleep tight, night, night, termite, right? And yet you, you, we as adults put ourselves into that mindset, like we're doing something healthy for ourselves. Well, you damn sure wouldn't do it to a child. What makes you think you should do it to yourself? And then we wrap it up with, well, I'm an athlete. Hear me roar. It's like, what? It's so counterintuitive when you put it to a child, but we put it into a, an athlete or we put it into an adult status or whatever label we want to give it. It, it doesn't work. It's not realistic. And I hope the listeners will get that click in their brain and change their perspective. Run it through the test. When you, when you wake up tomorrow and you tell yourself that you're going to do an intermittent fasted lift, would you let your child do that at eight years old? Would you send them off to school after a 12 hour fast? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't you think you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> It, and that's, that's, that's probably a good something we could perhaps share for the listeners because um, that is a big question that I get quite often is people will say, oh, I can't eat. I can't eat at six o'clock or at five o'clock or whatever the time is when they get up before they go to the gym. Um, so that, that's why that's why I train on an empty stomach. So what is some suggestions we can give them? Because it, it doesn't like we're not saying you have to sit down to a three course meal um, before you train. It can, yeah. can just be something like a, a simpler sort of snack that you could get down. So you actually got something, some protein, some amino acids in the blood whilst you're training. Well, I want for anybody that's taking notes, I want you to draw one arrow up and right next to it, draw a down arrow. And that's the inverse relationship between intensity and food complexity. So if you're going to go to the gym and let's say you are going to do you know, 10 by 500 on the row, or, or you're going to do a, a pretty intense circuit set, and you know, it's going to be physically demanding. We're not going into the category of making it a pain cave. You're going to go work. There's nothing wrong with, don't be afraid of working, right? Yeah. So if you know that the intensity level, and if they're wearing a heart rate monitor, which you and I both strongly suggest, it kind of breaks down that perceived exertion error. So if you know that you're going to be bringing the heart rate up, bring the food complexity down maybe a smoothie, like you said, the scoop of this, a scoop of that, maybe some um, powders or something like I have a product called the complete reds, complete greens, complete purples, two scoops of that is 16 servings of fruits and vegetables. And the yeah. only reason why we designed that product was for you. And I talked about it, it was made for Adam C because of texture issues. Okay. Yeah. My point is I want you to eat real food, not you know, just drink garbage drinks. But if you're making your drinks with real food, that liquid calorie is going to be much easier for your body to digest. You know, milk, don't just throw down a huge glass of it, milk it on the way to the gym. So let your body absorb it slowly. You're going to be absorbing the nutrients from your mouth, which means you'll get those in quicker. You don't get all that heavy complexity in your gut. The listeners need to understand there's a hierarchy of needs. 
if you choke down a bunch of com complex food or any food for that matter, but complex food, the water in the blood is going to get diverted to digestion. Then all of a sudden you start your workout. Now you force the body into an executive decision that says, wait, now I need blood and water, water for the skin, for the sweating process. And I need blood to deliver oxygen. So now you force the body into an executive decision. The executive decision is always going to be not die of a heat stroke. So nutrition and digestion gets pushed out of the equation. That's why the body's like, it's time to purge. So you're either going to vomit or you're going to have diarrhea because the body is like, we're trying to thermal regulate our core temperature. You've now thrown us a challenge of trying to digest food at the same time. You obviously are not very smart as a human. So we're going to make an executive decision for you. We're going to get rid of food. Yeah. Cause it never wants to die of a heat stroke. And this happens whether you're on the motorcycle ripping or whether you're out training, cross training, swimming, biking, running, mountain biking, rower, skier, whatever the it is, you got to ask yourself, what challenge did you, what decision did you put the body into? We could talk about it when it comes to an illness, should you, or should you not train? You know, when it comes to the complexity of food, you, you've, you and I've talked about this off the record. You see the proliferation of those energy gels. Well, think about what is it? It's the simplest form of sugar yeah. that you squeeze it. You get about 110 key. Um, what do you guys call them? Kilojoules? No, yeah, calorie, we're in the calorie spectrum too. Okay. So you guys are down in 110 calories, right? And you chase it with water. Well, all it is, is just straight sugar that goes right into the bloodstream and your body can assimilate it because it, that's why I want the, the listeners to have it written down. An energy gel is of the simplest form, which allows you to be able to consume it at a high level of intensity. Yeah. You're going to be doing, let's say you you like to ride your mountain bike with, by the way, I love your new mountain bike. So sweet. <laughs> if, if you're going to go up on that ridge and you're going to ride that mountain bike, but you're going to be in zone two heart rate, well, you can have a peanut butter and honey sandwich because the heart rate is low, the body's not forced into an executive decision, but you all of a sudden throw in a couple zone four, you know, four or five K intervals, you're going to see that peanut butter and honey sandwich come back up because there's no room for it in the body. The body just doesn't need it. Yeah. So I think for somebody that says they don't want to eat in the morning because they feel nauseous, change your perspective. You need to eat before you work out to get more out of the workout, but you need to adjust the complexity based on the intensity. That's why I always like to say that inverse relationship between intensity and complexity. If you're going to have them get on the treadmill or you're going to have them row 20,000 meters, heart rate zone two, just good form, focusing on their breathing and all that, you can have the, the honey sandwich and maybe even an apple. I mean, something a little bit more complex and, yeah. and you won't feel bad at all, you know? So hopefully that will help clarify that for them, that they're not making themselves miserable with eating the wrong complexity against the intensity. Yeah, hundred percent that you're exactly right. And it's pretty easy to be able to throw a, like a banana and some protein and some milk of choice in the blender and get that down before I work out. Um, so it's like, it's like you say, it's trial and error for everyone, but it, it doesn't need to be a full meal doesn't have to be a, a thousand calories it, it can be just something to get you through the workout and then you follow that up with a good quality meal when you finish your training 
Well, and that's where I, and I know I've seen you in action with your clients and you do such a great job of it is taking advantage of that tight window of that glycogen synthase enzyme, that first 20 minutes after the workout, you know, if you want to have a better workout tomorrow or a second workout later today, it's all about that recovery. It's not getting distracted with your phone. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a very smart guy. So like literally for me, when I get out of my car, I put my, my, you know, uh, water bottle or my blender smoothie, I put it right in my seat. So I can't physically get in my seat without removing it. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's right. I've got these calories to drink. You know, it's just like weighing yourself before and after every workout. I put my scale right on top of my gear bag. It's the last thing that goes in my gear bag. Cause I get to the track and you see seeing people and you want to get excited. You want to go ride. You just throw in your gear but once you're all geared up, you're like, oh, man, I forgot to weigh myself. Well, you're not going to get undressed to reweigh yourself. Yeah. So hey, if I put it in my gear bag, the very last thing, I put it down, I step on it, put it in my phone, get geared up. And then I put it right back on top of my gear bag. So I can't put my gear back into my bag without moving it. So I have another visual reminder when I'm out of my gear. Oh, here's my scale. I got to step on it. That way I get my sweat rate. So I, I'm never missing that sweat rate. Because your heart rate monitor is getting your average and max heart rate. It's also capturing the air temperature and humidity. All I need now is the beginning and the ending weight. And I know what my perspiration rate is. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just about creating things as a habit. And if I, I've shared this story with you off the record, but we had a lady that presented herself to us. She was training for Ironman Hawaii. She's not a morning person and the swim was her weakest leak. But she was forcing herself to get up in the morning and go to the pool during the winter when it was the coldest months of the year. And she was wondering why she wasn't getting any better at swimming. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to smash a square peg into a round hole. Now, again, I'm not into snowflake. Everybody's a winner. But you got to set yourself up for success. If you're going to go eight, nine, ten hours with no food and then go to the gym, you're not setting yourself up for success. Oh, you'll finish the workout. And you'll get some people that'll tell you that you did a fasted state workout. Good for you. But your adrenals are in their adrenaline and they're not liking it. And you're, you're producing more cortisol than you are anything else. And then you wonder why you're gaining weight. It goes back to the stress that you said earlier. Stress, yeah. is, stress is the enemy, man. Stress is yeah. the enemy. And I guess it comes back to that sort of nourishing. If we can have that sort of flip that mindset that we're, the focus is to nourish the body we will eat before training we're going to actually like you kind of touched on before you're actually going to get more out of that session so if, if you want to think of it from a calorie burning perspective you if you're more energized for a training session then you're going to get a better result from that training session so at, at the end of the day it's going to equal it's going to get you to where you want to go um, without the restriction if you don't mind me adding just one thing, because you mentioned, you know, the calories you're burning, where are the calories coming from? Stored fat or stored sugar? See, that's where I want the listeners to understand. You're, you're, you, the listener, are focused so much on an intermittent fasted workout. That's not what you need to focus on. What you need to focus on is the intensity of the workout and bounce that against what your purpose of working out is. Yeah, we've had people that have reported themselves to our wellness clinic saying that they went and hired a trainer to lose body fat. And yet the trainer was putting them on the treadmill or having them on a spin bike or having them on the rower going guts to the wall hard. Mm. 
Well, as you bring the intensity level up, you burn more and more sugar, less and less stored fat. But yet I thought you hired a trainer to lose fat, not train for a 5K. <laughs> but yet you're being trained like you're racing for a 5K or the Tour de France. But you told me you wanted to lose body fat. So they take the strain level up. They produce more and more incremental cortisol. You're doing more and more intervals because you're not dropping the body fat. And you're not dropping the body fat because the body's under stress because you're training for sprint work. You're not training to lose body fat. Yeah. That's where we need the listeners to really challenge their trainers. And I know there's going to be some trainers out there that say, if I stress the body and I superset it and I hit it and I do this, it's going to produce more testosterone, which allows me to be leaner. You're 100% correct. However, that only works when you're rested, well-fed, hydrated, and focused. But when a trainer excludes those foundational components and says, we're going to skip the fact that you're on three hours of sleep, stressed beyond the work, not hydrated, not fed, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to go to a hit interval training because that's what the book says produces testosterone, which produces you new lean muscle mass. I'm paraphrasing. Here. All right. That's great. That's just like you getting disappointed that you're dynoing a motor that has a hundred hours on it. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> You're disappointed that this motor blew up when you do one of your desert races with a lot of elevation changes, but you had a hundred hours on your motor and you're surprised that it let go. Yeah. That's how absurd that comment is. Oh, the textbook says if we do hit training, we get all these physiological benefits and you're right in a clinical setting, but most people 99.9999% are not in a clinical environment. They're not in a position to even take on that type of level of stress, but it's all about the trainer. You know, listen to me, you know, I, I know everything. And that's where these people get disappointed. And that's what needs to stop. People need to understand that if you're going to burn or want to learn how to drop body fat, then train to burn body fat. And that's why I was going to what, that's why I thought your comment about calories was so poignant. You're going to show up and you're going to do a workout with Ben. Ben's going to control the intensity to get you the goals that you came to see him in the first place. Yeah. The source of calories is what a lot of people, and I want all the listeners to challenge your trainer to intensity. Because if you are wearing a heart rate monitor and you're bringing that intensity level up, you're burning more stored glycogen than you are stored body fat. I don't care if you want to talk about net calories. Oh, I burnt 3000 net calories. That net calories has got to be broken down into percentage of intensity and understand what percentage of that intensity is coming from fat and what's coming from sugar. Higher the intensity, more sugar. Lower the intensity, more fat. Yeah. And people, and again, we're back to that same ideology. I was at the Olympic Training Center as a triathlete back in 87, 88, and 89. I'm old, okay? <laughs> but the physiology is still the same. Yeah. But you get people that want to spin it and convolute it because they want you to get into a book, a box, or a bag, or some agenda. And when, the, when finally the wheels fall off because it's not sustainable, as you alluded to earlier, where do they gravitate back towards? The fundamentals of training. Yeah. And, and for somebody who's maybe hearing us for the first time, we're not cynical. It's just disappointing to us that people have 
kind of bought the Coca-Cola syrup, but that's the way to train. It's, it's not the way it works. Yeah. And we don't want, we don't want to ruin people's health, you know? No, hundred percent. That's right. And, and I guess like, that's why I was kind of keen to touch on this topic today is because I had, I definitely had to learn that one the hard way. Like I, when I first started getting into nutrition 10 years ago was because I got my blood work taken when we couldn't get pregnant um, when we were trying to have Darcy and my, I was pre-diabetic. My fasting blood sugars were 5.8, 5.9. They were nearly six and they, they class six or more as like you're essentially at the beginning stages of type two diabetic. So um, my, the naturopath I was seeing, she was like, not to, I guess, I'm not trying to, (laughs) um, I guess, be negative towards her, but she, she was, she taught me some great stuff and, but her, the only angle she was coming from was that I was eating too much carbs and I had to remove the sugars. Didn't mention stress, didn't mention total calories um, at all. So all I did was just cut everything out. Went like full, full keto diet. What happened to my blood sugars? Nothing. They stayed exactly where they were because I was just like, we've just talked about piling more stress, more and more stress. So my fasting, although I was eating zero carbs, my fasting blood sugars were still like pre-diabetic. So it wasn't until I actually found someone that taught me about stress and how that affects the body and some ways, some ways to manage that. And then I actually started eating carbs again. And you know what? my fasting blood sugars came straight back down. There you go. So it, it, yeah, I had to go the long way around to figure that one out. Um, but you're exactly what you just said. You need to be so important that people are aware of that stress factor and how to manage that as well. It's not just cutting out, cutting out food groups or cutting out calories and expecting that that's going to fix everything. That's right. Well, and if you, if anyone's new to listening to us, when we talk about stress, the easiest illustration I could give you is if you almost get in a car wreck mm. and you get that flushed feeling and you start breaking out in cold sweats, that's cortisol just being dumped into the system in boatloads. Yeah. Well, when you hear the screeching of the tires and you almost get in that accident and your heart rate you know, starts, your heart starts to palpate and all, when you're dealing with stress, financial distress, interpersonal stress, those are things that we think about in life. What about inadequate hydration? What about inadequate calories? What about inadequate sleep? Yeah. It, you're putting your body into a constant state of fight or flight, just like small little car wrecks every hour of every day. But the problem is, is we make all these excuses up for why we feel that way. And if I can get you to understand that the body doesn't like, we're designed to adapt to stress. Well, how do, and when do we adapt to stress during sleep, during sexual activity, during good intimate times, during getting outside and getting fresh air, that's how you overcome and adapt to the stress of life. Well, when you don't have those extracurricular activities, we don't get outside. We don't get sunlight. We don't get fresh food. We don't have good interpersonal relationships. Well, Think about your portfolio of stress reduction is removed, which just adds to more stress because there's, it's almost like a bunch of double negatives. You don't have a good interpersonal relationship, more stress. You don't get out into the sun, 
more stress. You don't drink enough fluid, more stress. You don't have enough money, more stress. It's not about the car wreck. It's not about, it's giving yourself what the body needs, which is what I always say, why step over a dollar to pick up a quarter? When you don't understand that the stress is killing you for, for those that ride moto, if your idol is sitting at 7,000 RPMs and it's sitting on the stand, it's still idling at 7,000. Yes, it's not moving, but it's idling high. Well, that's what your adrenals are doing. When your adrenals are just trying to adapt to stress, whatever that stress category is, whatever that, wherever that source of that stress is coming from, idols just getting higher and higher. And I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence. That's why they call it adrenal fatigue. The adrenal can only keep up so much before it just cannot, it literally fatigues. It's like your hour meter. You could, you could buy a brand new bike, put it on the stand and idle it at 4,000 RPMs and let that hour meter run for a hundred hours. It still has a hundred hours of stress on it. Yeah. Now the suspension may not have any stress on it, but the motor has been going at 4,000 RPMs for a hundred hours straight. It's old. It's, it's gotta be rebuilt. Yeah. But isn't it interesting? We live and die by an hour meter on a motorcycle and it's mechanical. And you use that for a cadence of rebuilding the top end, rebuilding the bottom end, selling the bike outright. But yet you ask somebody, what is your cadence for getting enough sleep, getting enough food? Well, that's too complicated. I'm out. But it's more simplistic than the actual motorcycle. Yeah. There was a, there was a study that I actually had seen where there was a, 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 a cardiologist and he was studying uh, the placking of the arteries. And most people are told that all of that is due to saturated fats and all that other stuff. So what they were talking about, what this particular physician was talking about was, and I'm just using loose percentages here. He said 80% of those that had all kinds of blockage in their arteries yeah. was directly related to stress more than it was nutrition. Yeah. To your point, like you were saying, your blood sugar levels, your fasted blood sugar levels weren't dropping, even though you'd removed all the garbage because of the stress the, the idol is just revving. Yeah. And here's a physician that's going in and looking at the plaque that's built up, not because of food, but because of stress. So that was, that was pretty powerful. Oh, I would agree wholeheartedly, man. That's that definitely it. It's more and that, and that's why again, like if we're coming from that restriction mindset like it's just adding stress <laughs> if, if you if you want to go vegan or even if you want to go like carnival with like these very extreme ends of the spectrum yep. and then you, then every time you see a vegetable or every time you see a piece of steak it's like uh, yeah it's, it's, absolutely it's, it's adding more stress <laughs> it's yeah. it's gonna kill you quicker than a freaking cheeseburger will like that's right <laughs> Well, and for the listener that may not realize this, your body, it self-regulates its cholesterol level. So if you yeah, eat a lot correct. of cholesterol from an outside source, your body just produces less cholesterol. Now, am I trying to talk like a doctor and saying that hereditary and genetic disposition doesn't matter? Of course it influences it. But are we in bondage to it? Absolutely not. Mm. Absolutely not. But again, I don't want to you know, act like and dismiss genetics. It does play a role. But I think sometimes we have a tendency to just default and say, yep, I'm just predestined to do this. I mean, I don't know if the listeners may or may not have heard my story, but I mean, I was a fat kid up to ninth grade, you know, 
and, and I'm adopted. So there was no genetics in the family because my brothers were all super thin, but I'm not genetically attached to them. Yeah. You know? And, but my point is, is I just got, there was one gentleman in going into eighth grade that said, Hey, I'm going to open this gym up 6am three days a week. And my dad said, if you can get yourself to school. So I literally quarter to six in the morning, running as fast as I can through the field. Cause the boogeyman was going to kill me. Okay. <laughs> but one hour before school and I learned how to lift weights and I started to enjoy because I, I, I started to understand how this process worked. And then I got leaner and, you know, you're in those volatile ages of going into middle school, into high school. And I went from the fat kid to the thin kid. And then I got into bike racing and then, you know, the rest is history. But it was, it was, it was, a, it was a paradigm shift for me because I always looked at exercise. I'm like, I don't want to get destroyed. It's just because again, every time I would try to get into exercise, I would get smashed like six, fifth and sixth grade you didn't run, right? You just, you ran sprints. I, I'm, I'm not a sprinter. I'm a long distance guy. So if I'm a slow twitch guy trying to do quick twitch game, I didn't really enjoy it very much. I'm not making excuses, but you got to know what you got to know, you know, or you don't know what you don't know, depending on how you want to look at that comment. But, you know, that's where I appreciate the people like yourself that can help somebody that has the right desire but is doing it the wrong way. And I want the listeners to think about that when they come and they visit with someone like yourself, that's educated and they're doing very explosive work and they're a slow twitch person. Of course, they're going to hate this, the explosive work because it's the antithesis of how they're wired. Yeah. But they can still get the physiological goal, get to their physiological goals. They just have to do it differently. That's where they need an expert like yourself to be able to say, okay, here's where you're at. Here's where you want to get to. And what's the right combination to get you there? Not just doing it like everybody else. You know, Usain Bolt, the fastest runner in the world, has a different training program than, say, a top marathoner. But they're both running fast. They're just running different types of fast. Yeah. Well, then why are you trying to run a marathon program when you're a sprinter? And why are you running a sprint program when you're a marathoner? You've got to find a coach that understands what combination works for you to get you to where you're at, you know? And, and I think sometimes you have to have a coach that just says it's not possible. And what I mean by that is I'm never going to run a sub eight minute, hundred meters. These legs don't move that fast. Even if you drug me behind a car down a hill, being chased by a bull, these legs don't move. You would have a responsibility as a coach to say, Rob, it's just not in your cards. You're genetically not going to be able to do it. And I'm okay with that. But it's not saying that you're a loser and you can't do it. It's about explaining the difference between quick twitch and slow twitch, you know. But that's yeah. why we enjoy doing what we do is clarifying the somewhat confusing for people. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. But I look forward to it for sure. Um, I think we've pretty well covered it. Cool. Awesome, man. I really appreciate great, it. Great stuff in there. You know? Well, and I, I want to thank the listeners, you know, for sticking in there with us. Like I said, we don't rehearse our, our conversations at all. It's completely organic. And, you know, I, I appreciate the email questions that come in. I always, you know, I, I really enjoy when somebody can get a nugget out, like maybe they were confused about something or they were in that gray zone where it didn't just really make sense. And you and I say this whenever we're together until we put it in a format that people understand it, they're never going to get it. Yeah. And, and I can't take credit for that. That was actually um, my uh, math teacher in high school, Mrs. Yor. 
I'll never forget her. J-O-R-E, uh, an older lady, just a bitter old lady. And I remember she just, she, she said in, um, and it was in trig class. And she just said, until I put it in a format that you're going to understand it, you're never going to understand it. And I mean, here I am, I'm going to show my age again, 35 years later. And I still remember that comment to this day. And I'm forever in debt to that comment because that's why we do videos. That's why you and I do articles. That's why you and I do podcasts. That's why, because everybody sees it, hears it. They get it differently. Some want to see it done. Some want to hear it done. Some, you know, everybody's got their way of learning. And our goal is to make sure we put it in a format that clicks somehow, you know? So, Definitely, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it lot takes, of takes some repetition. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. <laughs> No, it's good stuff. I'm, I'm definitely a repetition learner. I I have to be able to read something and and read it like lots of times to get it to sink in for me. Totally agree. I'm a I'm a definite. Read it and then let me do it. And read it and let me do it. Just don't tell me to do it. You know, show me how to do it. That's yeah. you and I talked about this off the record. I've been trying to teach myself how to play guitar for a good. Well, my oldest son is 21 now. I would say legitimately for 20 years yeah. and, and I bought every book in the world. Right. But what I couldn't get was when to transition with chords because I didn't know how to read the music. And now YouTube comes out and I can watch his hands and I can see the strumming and I start to get the transitions. Now it makes more sense. Yeah. Now I'm certainly not, you know, I'm not the edge from you two or slash from guns and roses yet, but you know, at least, at least the thing doesn't sound like, you know, like I've got five, five hands instead of two, at least it sounds like something like similar to a, an actual chord, but I, I want to encourage all the listeners. We'll keep working until we get it in a format that you understand it, but please keep engaging with us. So we know what we can do to help you understand it better. You know, Ben, good job on the videos and you know, you, you put them up pretty consistently during the week. And I know people don't realize how much work goes into a 30 second video like that, but you know, I have my clients every time you put one out, you know, I'm sending it. Did you see Ben's stuff? Did you see Ben's stuff? Cause I mean, you, you put it right there. You can see the movement, the scapular, you do a good job on the description. And I hope the listeners understand that's not accidental. I mean, it takes a lot of time to write the body of that Instagram note. It takes a lot of time to get that video. It may seem like it doesn't you know if you haven't put one together, you'll realize it's a lot of work. <laughs> so it, it is, man. Yeah, it does take, it takes a bit to get one out. So I, I appreciate that you appreciate them. <laughs> no, they're great. They really are. And uh, I, I want to encourage the listeners, keep engaging with us. Let us know what we can do. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly yeah, do sure. to make it you're, happen. You're right. It is, it's great listening from the listeners. We were talking about that before we jumped on. That I've, I quite often get comments after we do these that people took it, like you said, they've taken something away from them. So that that's all we can ask at the end of the day. So that's exactly it. But always a pleasure to be on, man. And thank you so much for working me into your schedule. Oh, thank you, man. I know you've had a busy day. So that's why I thought we better be respectful of your time and let you get some of that sleep. Yeah, exactly. No, I appreciate it. It's uh it's nine 15 here. I just got back from the track literally before we got on and I'm going to get myself something to eat. I'm actually going to foam roll for about 15 minutes. Cause I was on my feet for uh, almost 10 hours today at the track. And I don't say that boastfully. It was just a good busy day and uh, get myself a shower and get myself to bed. And then we're back at the track tomorrow at 730. So it'll make for a, a busy day. I get to drive back to Orlando for four hours and then right straight to Daytona. 
awesome. It sounds like a fun time. Yeah, it'll be good. And I can't wait for the travel restrictions. Get your tail end over here sooner than later. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, I'll, if I have to row a boat over there, I might just have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it might be your only way, but I'll meet you out in the ocean and pick you up. How's that? <laughs> that sounds good, so long as I don't have to get that needle. <laughs> That's right. Amen to that. All right, brother. Thanks so much. All right. Cheers, man. Take care, bud. Bye.